This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Weekend's free, not here. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I'm tired, but with this news today, I think I might be able to have a pod week off. Yeah, I think I'm the same, really. It was, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long week. I think it's, it's, uh, it's the only way to put it. Um, very hectic throughout, and uh, possibly a blessing not to have a Saturday game, as much as uh, they are always, well, I say, fun, uh, fun in the sort of morose kind of way that Swindon games always are. Yeah, uh, thoughts are with the borough of Swindon right now because one person I know does not like weekends free is one Dan Hunt. So if you see an angry man around Swindon, that's a man who's lost his football fix for the weekend. There's so much stuff to digest from the week. I, I just still need to talk about it. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. There's as as we were just saying off mic, it's there's been so many things happen in quick succession that you can't really properly focus on any one individually. And I'm I'm not sure I've necessarily thought about them enough. So we did it was sort of a press conference for a game that we already knew was off, but I guess we were just like, well, we're here now, Let, let's go ahead. So that was at least there's something for, for next week, content-wise. And I don't think we even have to touch Crew Alexandra away in this one, as as I normally get you for the final take. I can't remember. I, think, I can't even remember the result. It wasn't good, though, but it was an improved performance. Yeah, until I actually saw the running, running order, I forgot that, that was a week ago. It feels like so... An absolute lifetime of all the, all the things that happened since. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I probably don't have any particular takes on it. I just don't remember. No, and that's fair enough. No one wants to hear them. <laughs> There's too much stuff. Um, so the news, the more, most recent news is that the Tramere Rovers game called off early. Um, not the greatest news for Swindon Town or Matt Povey, the groundsman, who spent all of last night, I think he pretty much did 24 hours from what I hear, a fine effort, but alas, it wasn't to be. Bad for Swindon, invoices need to be paid for that unsuccessful attempt to keep this game on. And Swindon probably, well, they're probably going to lose money in the uh, rearranged game because it's a night fixture and it, it tends to be a drop-off for Tuesday nights in February around Champions League time. So that's not ideal, but... Swindon do have to pay costs if a game is postponed and the away team have already booked in and travelled, don't they? So it, it, it's common sense uh, that they've pulled the trigger now. Yeah, probably best to go early if you've got any sort of sense that it's, it's not going to happen, I guess. They've, I guess, because <laughs> uh, you have the potential of having the double double down in terms of losing funds in, in that way, like you say. So. Not ideal. It it gives Gavin Gunning another week, I suppose, in terms of getting across his his instructions. So for him, for his perspective, it probably is helpful. But I, I think it was it was probably probably best to play the game. Um, uh, just just to get them over with. Really, I was I was put, <laughs> looking through the fixtures earlier today and putting them on our schedule um, at work, and we haven't really got too many Tuesdays. So it was actually looking like quite plain sailing for a lot of the time, but. There's another one to add to the list. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, Tramia at some point. It, it's funny because in in my season narrative, when I've been looking at the fixture lists, I kind of saw this as what I've been calling the, the, the false dawn part of the season because it, it's not been good. There's no real major light at the end of the tunnel until the last week. There's It's kind of a reset that we're in at the moment, but the four games, including Tramia, that were coming up, Tramia home, Bradford home, Newport away, Salford home, felt like potential and still feels like potential for a little run to emerge. Now, whether or not it it, it makes an impact at the end of the season is another question altogether. But this was, in the last few weeks, the, the, the period where I was thinking, well, this is where there's points to be won. Yeah, after, I, I guess, <laughs> it didn't really feel like any any game was going to be easy points under Michael Flynn at the end but you know playing a, bu- a bunch of teams who aren't, who aren't doing so great so you know especially kicking in with a new regime now then you you've got a chance to build a little bit of momentum before I think Gillingham is probably the next harder game um coming up so you just have a bit of a chance to to get the players in and start to start to build something towards the end of the season because you know, ultimately, the results don't matter a great deal when Swindon aren't going aren't going down. But this kind of whole period's about building building something for next season. So you had a bit of a chance to to do that. Indeed. Okay. Well, it's the weekend free. Hope everyone has a great one. I want to spend most of this episode talking about the football side of Swindon Town. But you were a part of the Clemore Fooney press junket in midweek. Very significant day, really, for Clem Morfuni. There's a whole episode on it with Sam Mooreshead, uh, including 30 minutes that he had with Morfuni. So if you haven't listened to it, then please do. Ultimately, you know, it's been a couple of days. I thought about it. I, I was happy that the club 
decided to make him go through this by talking to the big hitters, the advertiser, BBC, ITV, Etel. But I, I still have this feeling that if you think you're doing as well as I think Mulfooney thinks he's doing, then you don't have to do this sort of charm offensive. It's not necessary. There were there were areas where where I'm still like, which is that when asked about potential wrong-uns, he didn't dismiss the notion of wrong-uns, which isn't ideal. And when he says those little half-truths or half-truths or inaccurate statements, like what he said about the academy and what he said about the women's team, I listen to him and I've listened to all of them. I genuinely believe he believes what he's saying, but it's so odd to me. That's as far as I'm going. The the pod we did with Sam was deliberately level-headed because Tuesday was just a little bit mad, wasn't it? But what were your experiences and what was your takes on the day? It was quite an interesting one. It felt like quite a bit of pressure going into that room. I've not met Clem before. Um, And as I I I mentioned on the live blog, I was very um, taken aback by his hands. That didn't help me, but it felt like everything was sort of coming to a head in this one this one evening, this one day of, of the press junket with everyone going and sitting down with him. So it did feel like there was quite a lot of weight on that interview. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I think Sam said a similar thing on the pod, which was a great lesson, um, you know, in terms of, I, I don't think anything he said surprised me. Um, I, I have heard some people say that they've changed their opinion since it. In, in what respect is in, in, in that they've got him back or they've, they've, they've lost him. Um, I mean, like, I've heard people think both ways, really, which, sure. which surprises me because I don't think anything that I heard was like, <clears throat> oh, that's new or that's interesting. It was kind of just that it doesn't feel like anything's changing was kind of my big takeaway. You know, they've not bought the shares back. The stadium's still kind of where it was. They've, they've, they're not really progressing anything. There doesn't seem to be. And I, I think possibly the best part of any of the interviews, I think I've listened to four, um, was Andrew Hawes on the philosophy. And that was kind of the big bit where it's like, the, you've got a plan, but not really. That was kind of the big the big part of it, I thought. Um, the, the big main takeaway that, you know, you're, you're, you, you kind of feel like he, he seems to me like someone who has kind of got an idea of what he should be doing but doesn't really have the plan to do it and I think that was and that's possibly probably been the case the whole time and I think if you look back for everything that is that is the case but that was kind of the the big thing that was you you get it but not enough and that's and that's the whole crux of the issue I think so I think that was well put yeah it was it was a smileier version of their last two attempts to explain what they've done during their time at Swindon. All the information is pretty much exactly the same as what uh, Clem and Anthony Hall relayed to the supporters club, but in a, in a much different tone. Yeah, I, I think probably, I don't know if he gets a huge amount of credit, but I think Henry Port deserves quite a bit of credit because I think he, he Clem came into this very well coached because... You know, when you listen to the same interview four times, <laughs> you, you realise that Clem, Clem has been given his talking points. Clem has been told certain things. Um, and Clem has come out with virtually the same statement quite a lot of times. And I guess that comes with back-to-back interviews. But it did feel like, you know, when especially Anthony Hall was clearly very under-coached going into his inter- his sort of infamous interview, Clem was clearly the opposite here. So I think 
Fair play to Henry for getting him ready for that. Indeed, indeed. It was it was a needed day. Majority of the fan base appreciate it. Whether it's changed people's opinions on a mass scale, whether it's positive or negative, we'll, we'll see. But shall we concentrate on football affairs now? I, I think that's a, that's a nice change because there is there is still some football. Not for Swindon this weekend, but football still exists. <laughs> I was talking to you off mic and I still don't think I've processed Michael Flynn's exit. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I've had a chance. We we recorded a pod right on the release of the statement. I mentioned it with, with Sam in passing. I work with a, people that have no interest in Swindon Town. Yes, his run was abysmal. But just how amicable this, this split has been. And then everything has happened since. I guess the thing that I'm thinking about the most is how not content, but how accepting he was to leave. Has he been sacked? Has he walked? And I guess the reason why that lingers is that Michael Flynn has already been linked with new work, which in my mind feels like it would be impossible if if he's been sacked because of payouts and so forth. He's been linked to the Forest Green Rovers job. It's it's not set in stone, but it's a very logical appointment if all the loose ends with Swindon have been sorted. Yeah, I, obviously the Forest Green links are, are interesting in many ways because Forest Green have had a very patchy record of managers of late. Um, I, I didn't, didn't, wouldn't have had Flynn down his next job being in League Two, to be honest. But on the kind of walked or sacked thing, I'm finding it, a bit like you, I guess, difficult to figure out because, I mean, amicable discussions is the funniest thing that's ever been put in any press release ever, quite frankly. Um, I, we're, I, we were falling about in the office when I got that sent through, but um, uh, I actually reached out to Michael Flynn after after he was sacked, um, you know, just to... Um, and um, it, it, in that sort of brief exchange, I, I'm finding it very difficult to figure out because he seems incredibly okay with this. But then again, who the hell walks away from a three-year contract? You wouldn't do that. It doesn't. It, it none of it really makes fully full sense to me. There was clearly a willingness on his side to go, but but he he surely wouldn't walk. It just doesn't make sense. But but then again, he seems to, you know, he he had quotes in the bloody press release. That never happens for a sacked manager on multiple different levels. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I can't figure it out. Because if if you're sacked and you get a payout, then unless they pay up front, you're on some sort of gardening leave, aren't you? Which prevents you from taking another job. That could be the case, and FGR could could Forest Green could just be buy could buy him out of that if they wanted to. It's a, it seems like the perfect role for him because League Two always has a team that looks like they're dead and buried, and then they have a rally. I don't want to say it's Flynn's level or Flynn's sort of club, but you know if he got that job, they'd be referencing Newport County over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, I think Forrest Green, for a decent manager, I think that's a brilliant job because of how many good players they've got. Yeah. And the the money that Dale Vince will be happy to put into the rest of the window. You know, they've signed Emmanuel Osadebi today. I think that's a, that's a very good signing. 
Um, so probably the, the exact type of player Flynn probably would have wanted to bring to Swindon as well. Geography. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and also for Flynn, it, it's it's ten minutes shorter commute based on where the two training grounds are. So it and so ge- geographically, it, it works for him. It he has that chance to be a bit of a saver, savior, and then you're kind of the the sheriff of. I mean, obviously Newport's significantly bigger than Nailsworth, but you're the sheriff of a of a fairly small footballing town in that way. And I think that probably suits him. What do you think Flynn's legacy will be at Swindon? I think Flynn's probably going to end up being a footnote more than anything else. I, his legacy is... It, his, his legacy will be the sort of ludicrous defensive record that this season will eventually be looked back upon for. Because it? It, it almost doesn't matter what... Unless Gavin Gunning makes this 2004-05 Chelsea for the second half of the season then we're going to concede some ludicrous number of goals. So so the legacy will probably be a benchmark for goals conceded in a season more than anything else. It'll be the three at the back, won't it? It'll be the three at the back. That'll be his legacy. Especially if Gavin Gunning scraps that, which it sounds like he will, as we'll discuss, and everything changes. Yes, I think Gavin Gunning um, stuck, it, stuck the boot in a few times after saying that he wasn't going to. <laughs> and I think the three at the back was very much on that list. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Gavin Gunning then, because it's just all gone to business as usual, hasn't it? He's arrived, He's he's been in the shadows since he was last caretaker manager, along with Steve Milnhall at the end of last season for the last game against Crawley. Of course, he had those two games at the start of 2023 against Grimsby and Ginningham. Pretty much a precursor for what we saw with Michael Flynn uh, at the start of this season, really. He's he's not left the club. He's done bits and pieces in the youths. Uh, he's gone over to Australia briefly to coach Clem Wolfoonie's soccer school. And he's been on loan duties as well. From the people I talk to that have reasonable links with the club, it's not the same Gavin Gunning as we saw last season in terms of maturity in the role. I think we're going to maybe see... A more open-minded Gavin Gunning, maybe, but you're just looking for the uh, the Grimsby Ginningham <laughs> Gavin Gunning, aren't you? That, that's the one I want. But um, in terms of maturity, he did walk in wearing a very lovely pair of spectacles today. Done. So uh, he is he has clearly matured. So I don't know if that's what they were referencing, but um, if he had them around that breakfast table, um, then that that's probably what won him the job. Um, yeah, I mean, I want the sort of mad jogger Benito that was that, that two game spell in January last year. Because you know, if if we're gonna not if we're gonna be do nothing, we may as well do nothing in quite a fun way. Which, in many ways, was what was what Michael Flynn tried to do for a while until, as as Gavin Gunning references, um, you know, they 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 got figured out what 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 they were trying to do, and then they just weren't allowed to do it anymore. But you know. <laughs> Why? Why not be fun? Why? Why? Why not just sort of mess around for a bit if we're going to stay up? Because there's there's two bad teams, you know. If we put put things in place, be able to score goals, and then spend the summer working on defending. Yeah, it could well go that way. I think that's a very realistic prediction for the future of Swindon Town in the immediate. Anyway, what what did Gavin Gunning say about taking over for the third time, but this time solo? Yeah, he's he's, he's not under that label anymore. Um, he he kind of said. The last time coming in, he and this this kind of doesn't necessarily track with what he said across those weeks. 
Um, but he said he, he never felt like that it was going to be a possibility for him to take over. And this time, um, you know, it very much feels like there's a very strong possibility that that happens. Um, so he's, he, he, you know, he's walked in and he feels like he's, um, he's got that chance to, I guess, be himself and show what he can do in a, in a full, um, stint rather than sort of, you know, hold, holding the, holding the bag for someone before, um, you know, Dean McKayley eventually selected who he wanted. Um, and then this time he's, you know, he's come in and it was definitely something that he referenced last year, um, remembering back to them in terms of that, he, he feel he's, you know, he's, he's still very young and he still was a player not very long ago. So he's, he clearly takes that experience into what he, he wants from what he would have wanted from a coach in terms of a bit of simplicity of messaging and, you know, trying to, trying to sort of straight, straight away pair things back a bit and help the players um, understand what they're doing so they can have a, a clear style. And that's, I feel like that's kind of where he wants to walk in and do straight away. Yeah, he's he's only 32, so he should be still at the peak of his powers as a defender, but alas, it wasn't to be for him. I guess if I'm going to be negative, it feels like a bit of a red flag that he's not bringing anyone in to assist him. We've got Liam McCartan and Steve Mildenhall, who are on the staff already. He, at this moment in time, isn't going to explore the option of bringing in an assistant, although that might be a, a, something he might do in the future. Yeah, he was very quick to say no to that, which, uh, as you say, it, it's very strange. It's, it's something Clemor Fooney touched upon himself in terms, of, I think we all asked him, you know, is he bringing in someone else? Because that was sort of hinted at. And he was like, well, you know, if he wants one, but not for, not for now. You know, um, he he needs that. And I, I you know as much as I love that, they're not children. Um, <laughs> no, he needs his he needs his he needs his Tommy Wright to his Richie Wellens. You would think because it's a it's a pretty small coaching staff, if nothing else, and it one that beyond. I mean, Stephen Mildenhall is only a few years in, um, lacks a significant amount of experience. You would expect. So, I, I find it very curious that he's so quick to say no. I, I don't want one. Um, the conspiracy theorists will say that's a budgetary thing, and that's what Clem's saying. Clem is saying you're not get one. Uh, put pedal out my public message for me, please. I'm not saying that is what happened, but um, it is very odd that he wouldn't want a formal assistant manager, given that a he's got six months of this, and b you know it's it's probably going to mean that he's having to spend an awful lot of time doing jobs that he wouldn't necessarily have to if he just had someone else to help him. Yeah, and if he's got the sufficient license now, it's so many games, he cannot be not under consideration for the job beyond this season if it goes well. Yeah, there's there's no way he's not the pole sitter in terms of getting this job. You know, Clemore Finney said he isn't currently looking for a manager. You don't hand off the job. You know, This isn't Chelsea giving it to Hiddink or Benitez. You know, you have to hand off the job for six months to someone with no experience, with for for no reason. There's, there's he's clearly someone who Clemore Fooney really likes. They've they've got, um, I don't know, um, from from what I said, spoke to people last season. He isn't someone Clemore Fooney brought in, but he is clearly someone that Clemore Fooney has has grown to like and trust. And he's he's um he's very very much got this very very long audition to become the full time boss so if if that's the position you're in then why not get in 
an, an assistant that would be your, to help you get that job in the summer and then help you from then on. Precisely. Completely agree with that. You know, enhance your chances by having a trusted ally by your side. But then again, you might have a good rapport with Liam McCartan. But yeah, it's not a case of like bringing someone in for the sake of it. But it's it's high stakes, you know, this this professional football malarkey. Yeah, I mean, he was he was almost out of a first team job this, essentially this year because of Michael Flynn coming in and whatever they didn't see eye to eye on. He's... he's 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 a if if this doesn't go well for him he's just some Swindon coach that who potentially a a new manager might see as a rival because of the sort of faith that he's been shown in this position so he might he might potentially be out at Swindon if that were the case so he he kind of needs to needs to make this work and I I, I would I would advise that you know, very much like the squad that he's got to work with you could do with some experience out there certainly could. Form isn't great. Gavin Gunning was asked about Swindon Town's form. What did he say here? Yeah, after sort of saying, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak about what Michael Flynn did. He then spoke, spoke at decent length for what Michael Flynn did. Um, in terms of, uh, he was he, um, he, he feels that Swindon had essentially been figured out very early on. Which engineers, uh, I remember asking a question to Michael Flynn about that a while ago, and he dismissed it. But Gavin Gunning very much in the camp that. Swindon were, were, were good when people had no idea what was going on uh, with this very crazy style of football. And then people figured it out you know, right around the Bradford game. And from then on, Swindon were pretty rubbish um, almost entirely. So um, Gavin Gang said, you know, essentially it was kind of, uh, it was it, it essentially got into a situation where with this side, they were, they were, they were do, performing well beyond, below the quality of players that they had. And um, there was an there was a reluctance from from you know, he doesn't say but obviously he means Flynn um, to try and adapt to what was going on and that was that was essentially the key failing behind the pretty rotten form. Yeah, he, he was asked about style and he was very much it's about results. If we if we don't win games, it's no good. But it, it does sound almost certain that he's he's going to go back for uh, for Bradford now, I suppose. Yeah, he's definitely in moving to a back four because he's um, after saying, you know, it, it's about results, which is a phrase I heard an awful lot on Wednesday. Um, he, he was he was then saying that, um, you know, he he feels that it's about simplifying thing and um, you know, in in relation to um, kind of in relation to Romeo Hutton in terms of the way how crucial he'd been to the team before being taken out of it. He then said, "Well, we're not going to play the same style, and we're not going to play the same formation. So, you know, unless he's re- referencing as, you know, he wants to play three-four-three three or something, uh, that's, that's a definite hint of a switch to a switch back to a back four, which I think is what the, the fans have wanted for a long time. But Michael Flynn um, very much didn't like it at all as a solution uh, because he wanted to get his his wing backs very high, but." Um, I think um, looking at the last season performance and under Gavin Gunning, they were all with a back four as much as the three-one-six fin happened sort of in possession. Um, so I think that's that's definitely his 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 going to be his I guess the big first change throughout Michael Finn's time when Swindon was struggling and indeed when we were doing okay because we were still conceding goals. Michael Flynn would call out players on a regular basis but as a collective he never ever ever blamed the defense which 
seems bizarre to me because I think our defence were making individual errors. It was it was always, well, we've got to be better defensively. And I'm not just talking about the centre-backs, by the way, but the centre-backs, almost to a man, were making regular errors. And Gavin Gunning was pretty much the same in this conversation. He, was, he, was, he wasn't having it. Why are they so protective of, of this defensive line? I don't know how much sway Fraser Blake Tracy holds in that dressing room, but clearly he's the, he's the key to everything. Because you cannot criticise a defender. And I had to listen back to this about three times when writing about the quote, because he says, I don't think the defence was the problem, actually. And I was like, he can't surely have said that, because we've conceded over 50 goals. There's no way it wasn't the problem. 70 in all competitions, 7-0. And there have been defensive lapses of concentration and outright errors in this. So it's not like... I don't understand. I, I I don't care. I I feel like the defenders should be should be willing to accept that maybe it might have been slightly their fault. Um, but if I, I clearly Gavin Gunning, um, I don't know if the defenders' union is a thing, but he appears to be a paid up member. But um, and and also this this felt like my favourite sort of subtle dig at Flynn. He said, um, you know, um, it's League Two. People are going to make individual errors. Um, but I, it's about in, encouraging them and um. No, having the having the bravery to make them again, which given that every no, I was going to say every other week, but every week Michael Flynn would say that um, you know, would would lambast the individual errors. Uh, that definitely felt like a dig. I don't mind the occasional dig um, because because <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it definitely keeps things interesting. I've uh, I've, I've finished it now, but recently been reading Inverting the Pyramid, and most of the managers on there seem to have some sort of. Um, intense press-related rivalry. So if Gunning's going to bring us that, then I'm very excited for it. Okay, you've mentioned inverting the pyramid. The question I ask all the time, how long did it take? Oof, I, I was reading it for about a year. Yeah, that's about was, right. <laughs> you, you kind of, you can't read it in, in long sittings, I don't feel oh, like. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a good read, but it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but also... Um, heavy, heavy prose, um, and the, no dishy jute law to hold my hand. <laughs> well, no, and that's that's all we ask. How do you feel about Premier Inns of Kent? Um, I, I think I'm going to have to learn to love them if we, if uh, potentially the youth team and uh, we're going to be there on a Tuesday <laughs> because Romeo Hutton had his uh, unveiling video. Is that is that the phrase? You know, when uh, when Gillingham announced. The signing of Romeo Hutton, they had him leaving the Premier Inn on their way to the ground, chauffeur driven, uh, with a nice printout of the Ginningham badge on <laughs> on the dashboard. We've lost Romeo Hutton, so real fans of uh, of defensive play rejoiced. Uh, we're we're going to end up talking about Romeo Hutton for years and years, I think, and what he does at Ginningham will really dictate the rhetoric of that conversation because if he does very well, we're going to be talking about it like, well, what did we tell you? As in we as those who like Romeo Hutton or at least saw his worth, his contribution, and those who just saw a doo-doo defender who crossed it in a billion times and won every now and again, landed in the right place, will uh, will rejoice because they will be proven correct long-term. Romeo Hutton left during this insane week and Gavin Gunning was asked about it but he seemed to just dwell on the fact that uh, Romero Hutton's uh, won the lottery it sounds like yeah he's, he's we won't have to stay in the Premier Inn for very long by the sounds of it um he was he was both very complimentary about Romero Hutton as person a player 
and you know he's a, he's a really good presence around and it's disappointing to leave, lose him but he was sort of followed up on by um Andrew Hawes asking if you know was there much of an attempt to lead, to um keep him um and then, then he said well I, I don't think pretty sure we wouldn't have been able to mate because he's he's earning butt tons he's I think he said he's now the one of the highest paid players in the league so we we obviously weren't going to spend that on a right back um, and so um, the airing, I, I don't know how he's seen Romeo Hutton's new contract. I don't know if he was flexing it in the group chat or something like that, laughing at uh, the poor Swindon players he leaves behind. But um, yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's clearly gone up in the world, even if that does involve living on the Medway. Yeah, the hearts of right backs everywhere sink as they realise what their pay grade is. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, is they're not Gary Neville's anymore. So. Uh, Gavin Gunning clearly needs to update his references. The right backs are the most important players in the team. Of course, they're getting paid big money. Uh, how do you feel about Hutton leaving? Because he was integral. He up until the crew game, he'd played every minute in the league for Swindon. And again, the rhetoric, I guess, the legacy will be how Swindon play under Gunning for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean, I've been firmly in the a staunch pro Hutton um, uh, defender for quite some time. Um, I I always thought you know it, if if a guy is giving you that much going forward, then figure it out behind him. It's it's not really his fault anymore. But um, I don't know. I feel like at the time of him actually leaving, it 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 feels like well, he's obviously not going to stay. So if you can get rid of him and replace him, then that's then that's probably the best course of action. Uh, we re- we you know we remain to see on the second part. You'd you'd have to imagine at the moment Godwin Malifa starts it right back unless they're trying to torture Tyree Shade even more now <laughs> I'm like, not even a wing back anymore buddy get back there and defend but um no it, it feels like again always with this and this was the case last January where you know you lose Gladwin McDonald Louis Reed it's like that's fine you can lose them and get some money for them if you replace them and that's the important part and hopefully hopefully they will be able to do that I mean in terms of a back four if we assume it's going to be a back four Godwin Malife is going to go on one side, Kokolo probably the other. That leaves just two, and we've got plenty of centre-backs now. It's got to be the Barnsley guy, because the Barnsley guy isn't going to come down to this level if he's not allowed to play every week. And then I guess it's Blake Tracy. That that would be my assumption. It's either that, or if he's not fit, it'll be Brewitt and then Minton, and then Pharrell Johnson. Yeah, that's how I would, I would guess you would use it, unless you wanted to play Blake Tracy and Goblin Malifa, which would which would feel very defensive as as a pair of fullbacks. As much as both of them are they can get forward quite nicely. Um they are probably more defensive than anything else. But yeah, I would I would imagine that's how the back four would look when someone asked me on the live blog yesterday what I would imagine the team would look like. Having suggested a back six, which is like you were complaining about the back five for a while. But but um but uh, I, I would imagine that's how you would try and shape it, um, because. But you would think that a right a right back or even potentially a right winger would still be on the shopping list, um, depending on how Gunning wants to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to the Joe Zone, and then we start moving towards squad and uh, our player guests. So onward. Hello, everybody. Summer is here, and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. 
NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Referee got in the way, but McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! That's a goal! It's a goal! McLaughlin's 25th minute effort takes a deflection, and Tony Norman's luck runs out. Swindon Town 1, Sunderland 0, and the West Country fans celebrate. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Um, speaking to claim, I got the impression that you're going to still be involved with, with transfers now you're here. Is there anything else you'd be wanting to bring in for the rest of the window? Uh, yeah. For, no. Yeah, listen, um, I think the squad is not massive, but not, we don't need too many additions. I would imagine that maybe another one or two would be, would be fine for me, I think. Um, you know, the massive squad. I think there'll be no excuses from me if we have to play young lads. That's what will happen if players get injured. It's just, and that is why it's key to have patterns of play, how you play, so them kids can just slide straight in there. I think it's going to be good because we're going to have the kids training beside us more often now, so we'll get the academy involved a lot more um, and just bringing everything together with the first team and the academy. Yeah, and on that, after such a great performance last night, any of those under-18s really made a case for themselves, like Botan Amin, for example, his two goals? Um, in a first team, I wouldn't think so, to be honest. I think it's a bit early for all of them, but come the end of the season, you never know. It's um, it's a big difference playing against some 17-year-olds at Man United to playing against a 32-year-old centre-half, strong, but... Don't get me wrong, fantastic. The academy doing so many good things, but it's a, it's a different beast, and you've got to you've got to look after these kids as well as giving them that chance. You've got to sometimes pull the reins back and have a realism to it as well. Yeah, and you've seen some pretty good form this season. But Charlie Austin scored in mean, every game under you, your tenure last term. Is he going to be a big part of your plans moving forwards in the way that you play? I hope so. Listen, he's. Um, He's obviously he's a different player now, isn't he? He's he's a bit older. He's um, that's what happens. You get a bit older. You you got to get more wise in your head. He's a bit. He's I'd imagine he's a bit more savvy than he was when he was a bit younger. Where when he was at the likes of Burnley's and your Southamptons, but he's still listen. He's still banging goals in. So I think he's going to be fine. And um, so you've kind of been away from the first team picture this season. 
um, stepping back in is a bit different to the job you had last time where you were kind of stepping up but you knew you, you were involved anyway and this time you've been away and come back in I guess a fresh perspective I think it's actually been better for me to see how the club is run so to see if I could actually do what needs done obviously listen I'll be working closely with Jamie that's the thing Jamie Russell he's, he's my boss I'll answer to Jamie but yeah Having that, that few months away from it's probably been good for me in the long run, to be honest. Good luck, thank you. Right, so yeah, I don't really have much faith in town bolstering the squad too much beyond maybe one, two tops now. The, the big one here for me was your under-18s chat. You were at the game on Tuesday. I was at the game. I still can't believe how comfortable that that performance and result was. And I've I've spent so much time trying not to say Manchester United under-18s were trash. I think it was, we just did a number on them. We were, we were very efficient and set up really, really well. And that, that bit of, they're not going to integrate them into the, in the senior squad so quickly, even though they have firmly been integrated all season long. Um, and they've been training today with, with the seniors. And that sounds like it's going to happen more and more. Yeah, because I, I kind of asked that. I was going to ask it anyway, but he, he kind of built into that question by suggesting, you know, it's easier for young players to step in. You're planning on training, you know, close by to them moving forwards. So, okay, so you kind of, you know, a lot of them impressed pretty well. They were all pretty spectacular that night. Um, so are you looking to move someone in? Um, and it was like, no, I don't think we're going to do that. Like Half of them have already played, but sure. <laughs> um, so that was, it was slightly disappointing, especially given, given their level of performance, you know. I, I feel like if the game was on this weekend, Votan Amin should have been on the bench just for just for, as a reward for what he was able to do um, during the game. So, quite disappointing, but probably not not unsurprising given given they are still seventeen year olds ultimately. Yeah, yeah, and and instead they got a trip to Williams Racing. Yeah, so there's you know they, they get. Yeah, to do something, I suppose. As a treat. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you normally celebrate beating Manchester United? Trip to a Formula One place, I guess. As it turns out, such as the such as the grip Liberty Media now have have over the world. Mm. But but it was a really really great night for the under 18s wasn't it? And it again, we mentioned it in in the the last pod. Sadly overshadowed by a whole lot of noise and nonsense, which, you know, we as fans contributed to, but had the club planned this week a little bit better, it wouldn't have mattered either way because the focus would have been on the under-18s. Maybe they just didn't think they would get past them, but it, uh, just a tremendous performance by them. Yeah, it was, it was one of those nights which don't really happen very often with Swindon, especially given our record in the Cup. So you just like, you just can't think, <laughs> you can't keep a track of how this is happening. It was... It was just amazing to be a part of and seeing them celebrating on the pitch, speaking to a couple of them afterwards. It was it was just such a lovely evening. I was sitting with um, a freelancer and a Manchester United blogger in the in the press bit, and he had to check a couple of times. I'm like, are you sure this is your under 18s Because I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be really good, but Swindon are actually, uh, frankly dominating them in a sort of without the ball kind of way. But it was just such a brilliant performance across the board. And it was it was one of those nights. He's like, "This is beautiful." And then you check your phone. Oh, for God's sake, just for five minutes, please! But it was it was 
it was just glorious to be a part of because you know I, I will admit it. I spoke to Sean Wood the the day before and said, "Can you actually win though?" And I had zero faith in them whatsoever. But they they firmly proved me wrong. It was spectacular. No, I'm the same. I, the game started and I turned to Dan and I was like, "It's going to be four five nil Man United, right?" And he was like, "Yeah, I guess so." And I was, you know, I, my best friend is is a is a, a home and away when when he's in the country, home and away Manchester United. Got a good deep knowledge of them, and he said that was their strongest lineup bar maybe Shay Lacey, I think, who's a very young player. I think he's under sixteens maybe, but other than that, it was it was pretty much full strength. Yeah, I mean, there was they they at times showed how good they were. I think the number ten Fletcher, who uh, I, I believe is Stephen Fletcher's son. Oh. Um, was was very looked very good at times. He had very good at doing um, roulettes, but that one turn that they kept doing, <laughs> he did, did it like three times. It was great, um, but you know they they I don't think they could have had any arguments whatsoever, given how how complete Swindon were. I thought Jackson Brown in particular, you know, is a sort of less highlighted than Boateng. I mean, would have been just all over the park. Was tr- terrific. It was it was such a love lovely evening getting to watch him. No, uh, hopefully NewsQuest can play for a hotel in Sunderland. Mm. I'm just wondering which Formula One outfit they would be sent to if you lose to Swindon in the FA Youth Cup. I mean, what are the low-ranking ones? Um, I, I, I don't have much knowledge, I will say. Williams would have been on that list, frankly, in terms of the not particularly good ones. Okay. Um, well, Haas, maybe. Okay, right. That, you, thank you. The MoneyGram Haas Formula 1 team could have been um, where Manchester United were sent to. See, now Williams, for me, they're good because that's Damon Hill and Nigel Mansell, isn't it? That's, you know, Jacques Villeneuve. That, that's the last time I was... Uh, Jensen Button was he was he Williams? I don't know. I don't think he's been at Williams, but I mean, obviously a historic team. But uh, their uh, lack of financing is handicapping them in the modern age. Unfortunately, is that right? Is that right? Well, I just was happy that I was able to name some Formula One drivers of yesteryear. It's uh, not my bag. Anyway, um, we move on. Something I didn't really know where to put it. Um, and that was on transfers, and I've already sort of mentioned it, that it looks like they're only looking for one or two more. And there was a lot of love and praise for Pharrell Johnson, apart from the fact that it doesn't sound like he's going to be anywhere near the team anytime soon. No, immediately put a sort of uh, break on any expectations around Pharrell, uh, who, having I, he, he walked through the lobby, so I have seen him now. He's a, just a gigantic person. Uh, which you know, if you're if you're training on height, weight, speed, in terms of trying to develop Blair, is is a good sign. But um, he was immediately described as a as a long term project of a player. Um, it was a you know he will play a bit, but probably not loads. So um, you, know, you can already chalk one of the one of the five signings up as as for the long term. Um, you know, he talked a bit about Conor McCarthy as well, described him as more polished and dominant as a defender. So. Um, no. it's the sort of dream of having signed two six foot four players in in the space of two days, and they could sort of play together. Um, was alive for all of two days before Gavin Gunning uh, probably logically said, "Yeah, that's probably not going to happen." Though, yeah, can confirm that Jensen Button was a part of Williams for a little while. Oh, I, I didn't know he'd race for him. Was that early on in his career? Very much so. Very much so. Anyway, I think it might even been his first. But yay me! Right, we'll move on from that. I just needed closure. Paul Glatzel, 
uh, was the player guest, which is lovely. It's good to have a new, another new voice on the pod. How's he feeling? Uh, he was. Uh, he's. He's felt. It's been quite hectic for him as well, by the sounds of it, in terms of uh, just joining a new club and then two days later they immediately get rid of the manager who signed you. Um, probably a bit weird. Um, you know, I would imagine most clubs wouldn't do something like that, but Swindon did. Um, so he was. He said it's been a bit of a strange start, but uh, he's excited to kind of um, actually play football for once because that's that's been something he's struggled with a little bit in his career, as to uh, as most people will know by this point. Yeah, yeah, he's a Les Caffrey signing. Surely he's he's not a Flynn man, no. Well, he's who, who, whoever Les Caffrey knows that that one agency that represents all the Liverpool Academy kids. That's <laughs> that's who the signing's from. Yeah, if in doubt. We've talked about this in, in our last chat. Nobody doubts the credentials of Paul Glatzel, but the injury record is petrifying. And I really liked his response on this. Yeah, he he sort of said he was he has been through some tough times, but he's kind of actually played more than you would think in terms of having uh, the injury at Tranmere happened almost right in. I mean, uh, speaking to someone at Tranmere, he came off the bench and then got injured, so he, he kind of right at the start of the season so he kind of didn't play that season at all but uh, he was at that was the timing of that injury probably helped him in terms of he came back at a time where he could do a pre-season and build up properly and then you play a little bit of less intense games in terms of under 23s foot with Liverpool and that kind of builds him again back into playing for Swindon a little bit so he, he says he, he said he felt quite sharp and quite good when he was playing at crew and he can just sort of build that up now and um, hopefully Swindon handle him a little bit with kid gloves because, as you say, um, very difficult to look at two long-term hamstring injuries and think anything but the worst. I agree. Dropping down was, uh, so coming down from a side like Liverpool down to a hellhole like the lower side of League Two. But given that record, it's it's not too much of a surprise, is it? No, I can't imagine he is. He's, he's necessarily, he probably wasn't expecting a championship move. Uh, felt quite sad for him. We were saying, yeah, a lot of my mates, like uh, I know Curtis Jones quite well and Kevin Sharder. Um, you know, my career's not quite gone like theirs so far. And I was like, oh, <laughs> poor boy! All of all of your friends are Premier League footballers, and now you're playing in you're playing at Swindon. But um, you know, he, he he says I need the right attitude to have. Obviously, which you'd be surprised if they said something different. But uh, in terms of you know, he he's not lost faith in himself as a player. He knows why he was you know, fairly highly touted as a youngster. And um, he's uh, you know, trying to get back to closer to where he thinks he can play. Um, but with Swindon, in terms of being able to play the football, he needs to do that. Mm. In terms of individuals, Glatzel was asked about Gavin Gunning and one Charlie Austin. What did he say here? Yeah, um, he, he said that Gavin Gunning is very well respected around the place. So again, that lunch coming in very, that breakfast even coming in very handy for him. Um, people are people are just loving whatever spread was put on that morning. Um, he was he said he's he's very much enjoyed the training session so far and uh, is um is pretty pretty happy with with Gavin the Gavin Gunning experience as yet. And then um, he cited Charlie Austin as one of the reasons he wanted to come to Swindon in terms of. Being able to learn off a player of a striker who's very much been there, done that at the highest, well, nearly the highest level, um, and uh, you know, is clearly someone who can who he can learn off, which a lot of our strikers have talked about, and um, and then just sort of um, hoping that they can kind of set each other up. I think he he very much had more confidence in 
his ability to set Charlie Austin up the other way around. So I think there might have been a pretty frank conversation had day one uh, where Charlie told him where to pass it. But um, he was he definitely feels like he can he's he's got a lot. He's a good figure to have around in terms of uh, Charlie Austin, who um, is stepping highly up into the coaching now, apparently. So probably even more than or more so than would have been the case. Yeah, it sounds like a man who doesn't want to put his name on it, but he's more than happy to help in the background. Fair play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a he's trying to help out and Charlie Austin, uh, eight super agent as always. Yeah. Um, what is the highest level in your opinion? Um, probably Champions League, World Cup. Very good. So that's um, that, that's what I meant by not highest level. I obviously did play in the Premier League. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not saying the Premier League. I just wanted to know what that was, just 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 to see what the vibe was. Right. Um, shall we go back to the Joe Zone? <laughs> Great question. And here, kind of on that subject, what's it like being the subject of an international tussle between uh, England and Germany at youth level? What's what's that feeling like? Uh, I wouldn't call it a tussle. I think, obviously, previously it's been good to have recognition from both countries. Obviously, at the moment, I'm quite far off that. Um, I just need to get back to playing football with Swindon and um, enjoying my football. Does it help having uh, Jake Kane, Tom Clayton, I guess you probably don't know Tom Burrett, but some sort of background um, already at the club to help you bed in? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, I knew I knew a few of the boys already, and um, they've helped me to settle. Um, being here a week now, and yeah, I've got to know all the boys, but obviously, I know a few of them already, which is which has been good. And um, I've also been able to ask them a few questions about the place, and they've been able to tell me a few things um, what I can do. And yeah, I'm looking forward to um, getting to know the rest of the lads as well. Um, I guess before the injuries kind of sudden, you were actually having a very good spell at Tranmere. So does that give you confidence? You can really hit the ground running now that you're playing at the same level again? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like you said, I've had experience of this league before and I've uh, personally, I think I did quite well. And um, I feel like, yeah, I've got that bit of experience. Um, so I'm just hoping to get back to playing now and hopefully kick on and hit the ground running. Stephen Dank. He didn't want to play. He's not as fun. Come on. Imagine being in the middle of that, though. You know, you're a young footballer and you're sort of being huddled between Germany and England at youth level. That must be great. Surely you'd love that. I'd want to tell everyone about that. He didn't care for it at all um, on the basis that he is very, very German. And, and I guess at youth level, until until Germany come a call in, then you just oh, I'll pay for England now and I'll switch my allegiance if it goes well. Yeah, I was I was hoping he'd have some outside chance of some great anecdote of, of uh, his both his parents fielding calls from different FAs at the same time whilst he was playing them off against each other for a, a, a primo hotel room. But uh, it doesn't sound like it was the case. And are you available or willing to end all interviews now by doing a different language or doing an impression of where they're from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to do that. If we, we can, I'll, I'll get get out the get out the Google Translate. Uh, <laughs> um, not really much more to talk about. Uh, we usually do predictions at this bit, so I just want to do a little bit on the state of play. So during the window thus far, um, we have seen six come in, and we include Ricky Agua in that. What happened to him last week? I forgot, but. Dawson DeVoy and Conor McCarthy have come in on loan and Jack Bycroft, Paul Glatzel and Pharrell Johnson have come in, although 
Pharrell Johnson is a development player by the sounds of it. Then leaving the club, we have Romeo Hutton and Lewis Ward. Poor old Lewis Ward. He's, he's, no, oh man. Um, and then and then Ben Ward, Meh, Murphy Mahoney, Jake Young and Dan Kemp. Claremore Fooney hasn't given up on promotion. That feels very optimistic. And for those who love to highlight Bristol Rovers going up in that crazy manner. Well, at this point in that miraculous season, Bristol Rovers were four points better off than what Swindon Town are right now. And without those points, they'd have just squeezed into the playoffs on goal difference, I think. But ultimately, of the remaining games at the same time, they won they won 13, drew three and lost only two. At this moment, Joe, and I'm not negative, I'm cautious because it doesn't feel like we've enhanced our team. We've, I'm looking at it, and I'm not necessarily thinking we're better. Um, I think it was always going to be the case that we were going to be worse, because just by virtue of losing Dan Kemp, it was going to be impossible to find anyone better than him. So it's, it was always going to be a, an incredibly tough job to even be equal. Um, at the moment, without knowing a huge... Having obviously seen couple of the players new players play but I, I think you'd be very hard pushed to say that the list of ins is is even remotely on the same level as the list of outs so it, it does feel like yet another window so far there is still time um in which Swindon have once again got worse we we haven't seen much of Devoy yet Connor McCarthy reviews are really good Jack Bycroft, you know, his his experience at National League isn't too dissimilar to what we would expect here. Glatzel, we know, has the great potential. We don't know anything about Johnson. We need Aguilar to kick on, really. But when you think Hutton, Mahoney, Young and Kemp, it just feels like here's hoping a change of formation is enough. Yeah, it, it, you know, hopefully Michael Flynn was, you know, massively holding them back but <laughs> as, as I pointed out on on Twitter um, the top four in terms of the, the player ratings player of the season uh, have now all left so uh, that that race is both wide open and is also a very depressing statement in terms of what the, the first half of the season is I like all you know I, I thought Dawson Devoy was possibly slightly unfairly um, rated after his first game I thought he did all right I thought he looked decent Paul Powell Glatzel played pretty well I like the look of um, of Jack Bycroft. Um, he's a very difficult person not to like, um, just on a human level. But also, I think he played pretty well. And then, obviously, Conor McCarthy, if he can be fit, is is a very good addition. Uh, Pharrell Johnson, uh, probably not for right now, but has all. Just looking at the bloke, he has all the tools. And Ricky Aguiar um, has at times been good and has shown at lower levels that he has the quality. But you know, you know, Hutton was. Was was the best attacking fullback at the level. Um, period. Dan Kemp was the best player at the level. Jake Young is, I believe, still the league's second top goal scorer. Murphy Mahoney was 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 I thought pretty good. Um, so you know, you've you've lost four stars. Lewis Ward is is less relevant. Ben Ward is, is almost not relevant at all. But it it it's uh, it's in a tough window, and I'm I'm thinking about holidays in May. I put it that way. You started that second go really well and then kind of spiralled um, in terms of positivity. That's like my life generally, really. <laughs> you gave it a good go. Lewis Ward. Lewis Ward interests me because Lewis Ward has had two spells at Swindon. 
in which he's got into the team, being dropped, some would say uh, <laughs> harshly, and then he's just gone. It's a, it's a very interesting life, Lewis Ward, because he's not actually signed for Charlton yet, unless I, I missed that five o'clock announcement. That hasn't happened. So it's very odd that he's he's walked again. I can see he's not even this time walking to even theoretically be a number one. Um, I, I don't know <laughs> what where his head's at. He, he probably, if, if Charlton is on the table, he's probably earning more money. And uh, after six months without a club, he, he could probably do some of that. But it, it's a very strange life, Lewis Wardersley. It's possibly one of the more in, most interesting Swindon careers of, of any player, actually. I'm listening. I can't end it at that. Just, just in terms of, you know, he, he comes in as he's part of that, that summer where Swindon have no players. Um, so he, he's part of that team. And then he's sort of the penalty the the weird sort of in and out penalty king yep. in his first season before being then a part of the of the um of the playoff everything that happened around that and then he he leaves for Sutton and and um that doesn't work out and then he comes back but doesn't come back because his registration doesn't work Sutton are holding out for a fee for having released a footballer and then he has the world's longest trial. And then he comes back eventually on what we now know was a non-contract deal, a week-to-week thing. Um, he co- eventually gets back into the team due to an injury, saves a 96-minute penalty. Oh, and the rest, 99th, I think. And, and, yeah, oh, yeah, and then eventually comes back and then you know, Swindon gets the chance to sign another goalkeeper and he walks again. <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating life, I think. And we don't even make any money from the second one, and we lose a development coach as a result, but already replaced. Yeah, the uh, Danny Rose very. I actually saw him at the ground today. Seems to be doing well, but um, uh, very very quickly snapped up for another um, a former Swindon alarm. But yeah, it's it's all it's, his whole Swindon career is just a very very odd collection of events that don't sound like they, they would happen to most teams. Welcome back to Danny Rose on low-key alum, I would say. Low-key alumni. Um, I'm half expecting uh, Lloyd Isgrove and Cameron McGilk to be uh, head heading the Clenmore Fooney Academy in Australia. Well, they're, they're both on site. I actually don't know what Cameron McGill's necessarily doing, but they're both they can both make guest appearances if, if Clem wants to reach out. <laughs> right, that's a lot of stuff. I, I I think I'm going to have a week off unless something crazy happens in Swindon Townland. But surely after that, the, la- the last few days, it cannot happen. What are you going to pull out of your backside next week in terms of content? I mean, there's, there's still some more funny stuff to come. Um, and then uh, probably take, take multiple days off. I'm still owned from Christmas, probably. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music for the presser is provided by the awesome Drag Me Down, and the podcast logo is created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds! Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. Muck delivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 